0: Talk to nicely. Hey everyone, I want to take a quick second to remind you all to click that follow button if you're listening on Spotify. This way you'll get notified every time a new episode is released. Now back to the story. I told myself I wasn't going to get happy this time. I thought for sure, getting past the first trimester, that we would at least have a shot, especially after so many false positives. It sent Hannah into a spiraling depression. Nothing could make her smile return. I remember she even refused to give up the fetus when the midwife came by. To let go meant to give up in her mind. I hated to see my wife this way, and I hated to see that my own child was discarded like trash, especially when so many other people that didn't deserve to have kids kept popping them out. I was hopeless and helpless until I found out about Max Miracle. I was searching the internet, trying to find anything that might solve our problem. After all, We had tried everything, so I wasn't against becoming more desperate. There was an ad. I don't remember the site, but it promised a radical new treatment that could make miracles happen. It wasn't asking for credit card information, just simply those interested in having children to apply for a free trial. I talked to Hannah, and she agreed we could give it a shot, and if we didn't like it, just to simply stop going. So I sent in our email address and a few other details about our situation expecting it to be a scam or something. But instead, a few weeks later, I was surprised to find we were invited to attend a private resort for a special event relating to the program. I guess these people are legit, I said. Well, then we should go, Anna insisted. We were nervous when we arrived. We didn't know what to expect. The grounds were well manicured, green and lush with life, and the staff seemed friendly enough. I saw other people there that were clearly patients, and all of them seemed happy. It was making me feel like there was really a chance for this to happen. Max Miracle himself was a strange man, clearly gifted, but altogether an oddball. He looked like a caricature, a cross between Sweeney Todd and Willy Wonka. You could tell that he valued his work though, because he had already reviewed our file several times. You've got quite a traumatic experience. The loss of just one child, It is simply not like anything else in this world, but to endure so much suffering. It is a wonder you have survived this long," he said as he closed the door to his office. "'You're our last hope. We can't keep going like this any longer,' my wife said. "'There isn't anything else I would do more than to help you find folks,' Max said. He paused and pulled out another folder, one filled with diagrams and blueprints. He said, "'Of course this treatment isn't FDA approved,' and would follow the same rules as any other drug trial. That means that I would need you to sign some legal waivers that prevent me or my company from being sued should there be any complications. Complications, I repeated, but Max only smiled. This is just standard business procedure, nothing to be worried about. I can assure you that all of the treatments we have done over the past year, there have been an 85% success rate. I can show you the data if you like, Anna squeezed my hand in silent excitement. Those were strong odds, but we didn't want to get our hopes up just yet. What exactly does the treatment do? She asked. I figured she would want to know the details. After all, this would be putting her body at risk. It gives you the chance not only to have a child, but to have the child you've always wanted. Max explained as he opened the folder in front of us and slid one of the diagrams across to me. The designs resembled something out of a science fiction movie metallic chrome being meshed with silicone and other chemicals to resemble skin, long steel rods and moving gears combining to create a skeletal structure, even optical lenses designed to change depending on preference. It was a robotic child built in some factory. What is this? I asked in surprise. Before you object, I want you to have an open mind. Over the past 10 years, Artificial insemination has made a great deal of advances when it comes to genetic changes in the biological nature of embryos. Parents are given the opportunity to choose the child's sex, hair, and eye color, all thanks to modern science. This is really no different, except that this doesn't rely on the biological material of the mother or the father. There is no risk for failure here. If you can envision what you want from your baby, we can make it happen. That's what we promise here. A chance to have the family you always wanted without any of the financial issues that other treatments can cause later down the line, Max explained. I, but before I said something I would regret, I asked to talk to Hannah privately outside. Max was more than accommodating, so we scurried out to the lobby. I couldn't even wrap my head around the bizarre idea that had just been proposed to us. This is a bad idea, I said worriedly. Hannah frowned. I could tell from the look on her face she had already made her mind up. What? Why? Because it's never been attempted before? She asked. Because it won't be real. It's just a machine, I argued. She looked down at the ground in disappointment. We've tried everything else. You know that. My body just can't take anymore. I know. And I think I've always known. I just can't have children naturally, Hannah explained. I reached my hand out to comfort her, but she pulled away. Maybe it won't be real, but we can make it real for us. We can make it anything we want it to be, she said with a nervous chuckle. Her eyes were shining and brimming with tears. I couldn't say no. Not when we had come so far. Fine. But if there is a sign of trouble, we walk away, I told her firmly. We gave Max the good news, and he helped us sign a stack of paperwork over the next hour. As we went on... He discussed with us the particulars of how the procedure would work. First, we would receive a booklet that would give us the chance to decide exactly how our child would look, everything from height, weight, skin color, and even dimples. There wasn't a detail left up to chance. Then he showed us how that the first prototype would be inserted inside Hannah in approximately one week. The way he described it sounded perfectly safe, but inside my mind, a few alarms were going off. This just doesn't feel right. It was unnatural to play God like this. But God didn't help us have a child before. He was the one that took our precious babies from us. I convinced myself it was time to turn the tables on God. We were provided every accommodation, including a room and food serviced three times daily. The doctors insisted that we could only choose from about 30 different appetizers, but thankfully all of them seemed like rather tasty dishes. As much as I was trying to convince myself that everything would be fine, a gnawing sense of dread was growing inside me as the day for the procedure approached. I did my best not to bring up the subject to Hannah. I figured that maybe she would get cold feet and back out, but instead, every day she got more and more excited about the chance to create what she called our perfect daughter. The day before the procedure, when I went out for a morning run, another red flag popped up when I saw one of the other mothers having issues near a park bench. She was breathing heavily, hunched over, and gripping the wooden handles as she got red in the face. Are you all right? I asked. I could see the veins popping out of her neck. She was sweating profusely and rubbing her belly, trying to hum softly. It's going to be okay. I'm okay, she insisted. Let's get you to one of the staff, I insisted. I waved for one of the nurses to come and help her, and the woman smiled in thanks. As they helped her get to her feet, I noticed the ghastly scars on her stomach. I returned to my room, worry filling my heart again as I saw Hannah finishing the prep that the doctors had prescribed. Tomorrow is the big day, our first step on a new journey, she said excitedly. Hannah, I rubbed the back of my neck, unsure how to really approach the subject. What, is something wrong? I'm I'm just not comfortable with this. It doesn't feel right, I told her. What? She couldn't even seem to form words, but I knew from her facial expressions alone, she was furious. "'There is no way that this is going to go well. "'It's dangerous and it's unethical. "'You're letting a machine grow inside you. "'How can that possibly be okay?' "'You, you promised me "'that we would go through this together,' Anna screamed. "'I know how bad you want this, "'but even if it does succeed, whatever this is, "'it won't be a child,' I told her. "'She stood up and got right in my face. "'She looked like she was either going to hit me "'or collapse in tears. "'Fine, then I'll do this alone.' She said defiantly. Hannah, you can't. Last time I checked, I'm a consenting adult, she said. The argument only got worse from there. Eventually, I just decided to ask the staff for another room. I realized there was nothing I could do to stop her. I didn't get any sleep that night, and the next day, I think I paced the floors about 13 times. It took them nearly 19 hours to finish the procedure. When they were finally allowing me to see my wife, she was just barely conscious, but still alive. I saw the stitches where they had inserted the artificial embryo into her. The doctor explained to me how it was attached surgically to her uterus in a similar manner to a natural blastocyst and that the next few weeks would show us whether or not the procedure was a success. But I wasn't listening to all of the scientific lingo. I was just glad that my wife was alright. I stayed by her side the next few days as she recovered. It was strange to touch her warm skin and feel something cold and metallic underneath it something devoid of life. My concern only grew over the week as Max and his staff constantly checked her and made sure everything was fine. My wife put on a brave face, but I could tell that every poke and prod was causing her more and more pain. There was also the matter of other patients vanishing. According to the staff, the mothers were being discharged early, but I wasn't stupid. I saw the women being taken in the middle of the night under sedation for emergency surgery. They never returned. There was never a celebration of birth for their unholy creations. I tried to talk to Hannah about this one night, but she wouldn't listen to reason. They have given me every single necessity to ensure a safe pregnancy, she said. I saw her swollen belly, her stretched skin, and her labored breathing as signs of the opposite. She insisted that it was all the same thing she went through during her natural gestation. Things came to a head four days ago. I awoke to the sounds of screams. Screams. It took me a minute to realize they were coming from my bedside. Hannah was grabbing at her side, her face contorted in pain and barely able to stay conscious. I saw the strange machine under her skin beginning to move, pushing her body to her limit. It reminded me of the alien movies. I panicked and reached for the nurse call button. Hannah screamed at me to stop. You can't! If they take her now, she won't make it! I looked at her face, a mixture of torture and desperation crossing her features. If we don't do something, you're not going to make it, I told her. I won't let you. You can't do this. We've come so far, she insisted. She tried to grab at me and fell to the floor. The strange contraption inside her was wriggling and struggling to break free, but still she begged me to let it continue. I have to endure this. It's the only way she'll live, Anna screamed. I made the call. They rushed in moments later to help her off the floor. She clawed at them like a wild animal as they held her down and provided a strong epidural to help her make it a few more days. I watched as she writhed in pain and the nurses strapped her down. Everything is going to be fine. A few more days is all we need, Max Miracle told me that night. The long needle pierced her skin and my wife drifted into unconsciousness as she begged for them to stop. The next night, it was finally time. Like clockwork, they came and took her. Into the operating room they went as they gave her another shot to wake her up. I was ushered to an observatory room as Max told me that it would all be over soon. It will all be worth it, he insisted. Hannah's eyes were filled with fear as the doctors began to produce the tools to cut her open, her body numb like a puppet. She was defenseless to stop them. I watched in horror as they cut her open, her thighs pushing apart to reveal a tiny metallic hand pushing its way out. Then I heard a wail, an inhuman screech. Suddenly, Max came into the room and closed the blinds where I couldn't see what was happening. I heard the roar of machines and alarms going off as they ushered me away. Let me see my wife, I need to know she's okay. I must have repeated that demand for almost an hour. Finally, a nurse arrived and gave me the proper gear to step into the room. I slipped on the gown and stepped through the double doors to the cold surgical room. I saw Hannah lying there, broken and bruised and clinging to life. She was holding it in her arms, The artificial child squirmed and made noises as she softly hummed. I looked toward her charts and saw her life signs slowing down. She looked toward me with tears in her eyes. Isn't she beautiful? All I could do was smile and reassure her. Her cardiograph started to rapidly decline. She gripped my hand and whispered to me, Name her Sarah. Then she flatlined. Nurses pushed me away again as I screamed her name. But she was gone. I knew it and couldn't believe it. It took five of them to hold me back. Around two this afternoon, Max told me that my wife was declared dead by biological failure. I watched numbly as they zipped up her body and carried it downstairs. Although she didn't survive, the process she went through will prove invaluable for the next round of subjects, Max told me. I'll play along and pretend I am okay with that, sign the papers, and tell them that I don't hold any of them accountable for what happened. But I've seen it the evil they have created. It has green eyes, soft, dark hair, perfect, unblemished skin. It weighs barely seven pounds and 13 ounces. It has looked toward me once or twice in the nursery with inquisitive eyes. And when it squeezes my finger, I almost forget that this isn't my daughter. Almost. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. If you're tuning in on Apple Podcast, please take a minute to leave a review. Your review directly helps the podcast grow and allows me to continue coming out with the best horror stories on the internet. Thank you so much.